just to get the spiritual juices flowing there. Um, <clears throat> we, gotta be, we have to be honest. Uh, everybody has made a judgment about something or a situation or a person that you weren't exactly right about. We've all done that. We've all been in that place. I, I have to be the first to confess. I struggle with judging stuff all the time. Uh, I, I, I judge lots of things. Are there any of you in here that put ketchup on your hot dog? Put ketchup on the hot dog? You don't want to raise your hand? Uh, well, you did. It's just tragic. I'm judging you right now. Yeah, see, I judge. I just judge. I judge. If you put A1 on a steak, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, we, let's just well, let's judge that as well. Just look around and judge, you know. Uh, I, I think, you know, we're, uh, we're going through this series where God is uh, asking us to make this exchange less of us and more of him. And so in last week we were talking about anger, and I had mentioned quasi a little bit that I sometimes struggle with anger um, in a little bit of like road rage. And so I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. I, I tend to just judge everybody on the road. So if, if I think you're going too slow, I just, I'm like, I, I feel like, what's wrong with you? Do you not have a purpose in life? I just kind of tend to think that, I feel that, you know. Or if I think you're going too fast, I'm like, do you not care about the children of the earth? Like, what, do you need to slow down or, you know. Or, you know, people, I mean, people are driving by and they wave at you and I'm like, you want a piece of me? I just, I feel, I just always feel constantly like I'm just judging People on the road. I just, I know, I, I just struggle with this. I'm just being kind of honest. We all tend to do that. I think we all tend to make judgments about all kinds of people and all kinds of circumstances and situations. You can throw that up on the screen. We always tend to make this, uh, these judgments in our lives. And so this is something that is pretty common to uh, the human experience. Now, how, but how many of you have ever heard the phrase "judge not"? Judge not, right? You ever heard that phrase? How many, hey, uh, just show of hands, have you either said or heard the phrase judge not? Okay, all right. If you, and if you, those of you that didn't raise your hand, we're, we're judging you for lying. So, I mean, just, we've all heard that phrase before, uh, judge not. Where does that come from? You, if you've heard it before, and in fact, it's actually the words of Jesus. Jesus is the one that actually says that. And there's a scripture, you probably, actually the whole phrase is, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Or that's, at least that's how I, I heard about it when, when I was growing up. Judge not, lest ye be judged. And I don't, that's kind of like the old school uh, way of saying, I don't know, it's judge not, lest ye be judged. It kind of actually sounds like a pirate wrote that. I somehow like, er, judge not ye. Anyway, but, <clears throat> but you've heard that phrase before, judge not, lest ye be judged. It's actually uh, words of Jesus. It's probably one of the most well-known scriptures. In fact, my guess is it's probably one of the most quoted scriptures of all time because you don't have to even be in the church. In fact, I think people outside the church love to use this phrase, judge not, unless you want to be judged because uh, it's this idea, hey, nobody can judge me. If you will, grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. I want you to see where Jesus actually said this in the scripture and actually what he was trying to get at. Matthew chapter 7. We're going through, and again, we've been going through these last few weeks, this opportunity to explore these feelings, emotions, and expressions we have that often are not healthy. And God's asking us to make an exchange. Less of us and more of him. More of his way, more of his ideas. We've been exploring actually the words of Jesus uh, to us. So I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7. Judge not, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. It's cleaning up the language so it doesn't sound like a pirate. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it'll be measured to you. 
So the phrase from Scripture, judge not, has often come to mean, don't judge me. You don't judge me. You can't judge me. Who are you to tell me what is right or wrong? So you can't make a judgment. It's one of those all-time favorite verses. We like to throw it out. You don't judge me for my life. I won't judge you about yours. But the question is, is that what Jesus is really saying? Is that, is that what he's saying to us? And what does it mean when he says, don't judge? For, because for a split second, it, I, I mean, it sounds good for a minute. It sounds good. Hey, you don't judge, I won't judge, we're all going to be good. But the question is, should we never make a judgment about anything? Is, is that what actually Jesus is saying? I mean, you students in here, uh, if you bust your tail to study really hard for an exam, you, do a, you get decent, you get a decent grade, a B plus. But you find out one of your classmates cheated on the exam and they get an A. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? You're going, no, that's not. So you're judging. Okay, right. So that's what happens. Parents, parents, you see a kid and that kid's bullying your kid. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? No, yeah, heck no. We're going, but you're making a judgment about that other kid. I mean, we do this all the time. Guys, men in this room, some dude comes around, wants to marry your daughter, and he has no idea what he wants to do with his life. He has no income, no work ethic. He wants to move to Colorado because, you know, stuff is legal there. And are you cool if he marries your daughter? Yeah. Now the, ju- now the judgment juices are flowing, right? We feel that. It, there's stuff that... The, you know, honestly, speaking of, speaking of marriage, there's actually a, a growing movement. I saw this as I was looking into this. There's a growing movement uh, called soligamy. Not polygamy, soligamy. Soligamy is the process of you getting married to yourself. You get married to yourself. Uh, because essentially what it, it comes down to is you're trying to find the right one and you finally discover that you are the right one for yourself. <laughs> uh, this, is not a, this is not a fake thing. This is actually happening all the time. It's a growing trend. I was, one lady's vows, I'll just read. One lady's vows goes like this. I, Nadine, her name was Nadine. I, Nadine, promise to enjoy inhabiting my own life and to relish a lifelong love affair with my beautiful self. All right? Judge not. <laughs> Judge not. Kind of gets awkward. Do, uh, do you see that a little bit? Where the scripture can get twisted into meaning something that it doesn't actually mean. And so we have to actually explore uh, what this means. Because what, what has ultimately become, this scripture has kind of become this catchphrase to say, listen, nobody gets to judge uh, that judge not, has be, it's kind of become synonymous with uh, tolerance, the, the word we might use for tolerance. Anything goes for anybody for any time. And so here's the question, what was Jesus saying? I'm going to pose to you, I don't think that's what he's saying at all. See, I think deep down there are things, there are issues, there are things that are going on in our culture that we need to be completely aware of and we need to be able to have a thought about it. It doesn't have anything to do with intolerance. And so... What we have to do here is get the context for what Jesus is saying. Find out what he, why he's saying, judge not. And so if you actually look back 
And uh, we won't have full time to look at it. But if you look back in Matthew chapter 5, if you look in Matthew 7, it's the part of the same conversation. It's a big sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. You go back to chapter 5. Uh, and this, ser- this sermon is actually generally known as the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And Jesus is speaking. And what he begins to do is he begins to look every person in the eye. And he does something for the first time no religion had ever seen before. He began to look at people and say, listen, your life isn't about do's and don'ts. What I care about is the heart that's inside of you. All of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus going, listen, there's all this surface stuff. I want to go deeper. And he begins to pull these things out. He begins to go straight to heart matters. And he says things like uh, we, we talked about last week. The law says don't commit murder, but I want you to know I want to go to the heart. I'm not okay with the anger in here. It's destroying you. He goes to the heart issue. You've heard, he says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I want to go to the heart issue of lust inside of you and the hunger that's being uh, unkempt in you. And so he goes to these places. And so in chapter 6, he goes after one of the biggest heart issues there is in the kingdom. And it's hypocrisy. And he wants to deal with hypocrisy. He wants to deal with this attitude where, truthfully, he's looking at the church. In fact, he's looking at a bunch of stuck-up clergy. And he's looking at them and saying, your whole life is about hypocrisy. You sit in judgment of others, and yet you're broken and dirty on the inside. That's who he's dealing with. Not dealing with people outside the church. He's looking at people in the church, and he's saying, listen... This attitude of judgmentalism, it's, it's got to go. There's a hypocrisy going on here. And he, he literally looks at me. He says, stop trying to make yourself look better than other people. That's what he says. Stop trying to draw attention to how great you look when you pray. Stop trying to look more spiritual than you really are. I mean, he's looking at them saying, listen, I'm done with you playing the church game. I want to deal with what's going on in the inside of you. And so, so much of chapter 6, Jesus is dealing with wrong heart motives. He's dealing with these heart issues inside. And it's on the heels of all of that dealing with that hypocrisy. He says, listen, don't judge others unless you want to bring that judgment back on yourself. If you look back at our text in Matthew chapter 7, go look at verse 3. Here's the rest of the context of what he's saying. He says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? And I love this. Jesus being pretty straightforward. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, Jesus is a good preacher. That's good. He's saying, listen, how on earth can you look at someone and heap judgment on them when you have no willingness to deal with the the junk that's going on inside of you? You stand pointing the finger at others when you've yet to actually deal with the own, your own heart condition. He's specifically looking at the church and saying, stop being jerks looking at everyone else to see their glaring weaknesses 
and not be willing to look at the truth of the stuff that's going on inside of you, dealing with your own heart issues, before you start picking apart the flaws of everybody else around you, it's time to look inward to see what's going on. That's the context. This is what he's saying. Which begs the question, if that's what he's saying, and if I'm always going to have issues, then am I, is it okay for me to ever have a judgment about something or to make a decision on something, especially against something that I think is wrong? It's a good question. I'm really glad you asked it. A few verses down, same conversation. I want you to look at chapter 7, verse 15. Look at what Jesus says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but this kind of gets down to the textbook definition of judgment. So Jesus is saying, listen, you got to watch out for false prophets. You have to look at the fruit in people's lives. You can't just go blindly trusting everything and every idea and every uh, topic and everything that's out there. You can't just go by those things. And if you continue on in the scripture, you look at, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the spiritual person judges all things. If you look at Jesus' words in John chapter 7, he says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. And so here you've got these two conflicting thoughts. You have Jesus on one hand saying, do not judge unless you want to be judged yourself. And then on the other hand, you have him saying, listen, a spiritual person judges all things. So is Jesus speaking against himself? I mean, is he, have a, is he struggling with the message here? That's the question. What's he actually saying? What is he commanding? What is he calling on us in our hearts to have as we navigate this life, as we walk through all the things that are going on around us? What's going on? Is this one large contradiction or not? The truth is, is Jesus knows exactly what he's saying. Jesus is showing us that there's a time and a place to judge things. But what he's inviting us to do is to have discernment. He knows there's a time and a place to be able to make a decision about a thing, a topic, a place, a person, but it's not about judging. It's about discernment, to be aware, to be watchful, to be careful. All throughout the New Testament, you'll have a charge to God's people. Be careful, be, be watchful, be discerning. Not afraid, not paranoid, not fearful, discerning. There's a difference. Here's what Jesus is saying. There is a massive difference <clears throat> between discernment and judgmentalism. There's a huge difference between these two things. Let me put it this way. Um, I have two daughters. One is in the third grade. One is in the first grade. And at some point in time, uh, probably in their 30s, they're going to be interested in dating. And at some point in time, that a guy is going to come around and he's going to express or show a measure of interest in one of my daughters. And so let me tell you what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to put on my discernment hat and I'm going to hold my discernment shotgun <laughs> and have a conversation with them about his intentions. Now, my question for you is, is it all right for me to have discernment on behalf of my daughters? The answer is absolutely. Jesus is saying, hey, be watchful, be careful, be thoughtful, but we don't judge. And what that means is this, because there might be a guy that come, comes around, and he's all tatted up and looks kind of crazy, but he can love Jesus with his whole heart. And there's some really cool-looking preppy dudes that can come around who is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And what Jesus is saying is, don't you dare judge something by the outward appearance. He's saying, you don't get to make a determination. You don't get to stand in judgmentalism based on just what you see. Because I don't do that to you. What I've done is I've go to the heart. What Jesus is saying is, listen, I didn't do that with you and judge you that way. What I was always looking at looking for in you was not what was external, it was always what's internal. So what we want to be is a people who make that exchange where we say, God, I'm done with judgmentalism. I'm not going to stand in judgment of other people because I don't know what's going on in their situation, their circumstances. I don't know what's going on in life. What I am asking God is, would you give to me discernment? Would you let me see things that I cannot see on my own? You understand that's what discernment is, right? It is a spiritual intuition that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what discernment is. And you can have discernment. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to have discernment. That's how good God is. God gives it away liberally because he's so faithful and good. But he's done with the judgment game. And, and I want to say this. This text is written to the church saying, church, I'm done with that. I'm done with that in you. I'm done with that in my people. We're not going to walk down this road of hypocrisy where we point the finger at everybody who's not doing life the right way when we know we have our own issues and own struggles and we're not really willing to deal with the stuff that's going on inside of us. The issue, the problem that Jesus is addressing is walking with that attitude, that spirit of judgmentalism. Judging what is right from wrong and truth and lies. That's critical to how we live. But how we act and treat others as we discern truth is also just as important to God. And I'm going to say that again. You need to hear this. How we act and treat other people as we're trying to discern right from wrong, that's important to God. How we walk with the world around us, how we treat other people, that it's meaningful to him. In fact, at the center of the gospel is a people who are called to love, how? Unconditionally. I can tell you, it is an impossible task to love the world around us if we're holding on to an attitude, a spirit of judgmentalism. It's incompatible. Our whole mission as followers of Jesus is completely stunted if we act with a pointing, accusing finger against the people around us. That's what we see all throughout this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus dealing with this heart issue. We're supposed to have discernment. It's what we're meant to have.
but we're not going to walk with a spirit of judgmentalism. And that's what God's calling us to. That's this place that he's helping us reconcile in our heart and mind. And that's where the struggle is. That's what, that place where we have to find. You know, I, the easiest thing in the world to do is to look at the world around us and have lots of judgment against all sorts of things. You know, the, the last few years have been ugly in our nation. And just these colossal issues of anger and angst politically Socially, black lives matter and blue lives matter. And all, all this kind of constant, and it's easy to make judgments and point finger, point fingers at people, and you don't, we don't even know them. And I feel like that's often being stirred up and trumped up all the time. Each and every day, it's almost like we're being forced to stand in a place of judgment against groups of people or ideas or ideologies. And what God's saying is point, put down the accusation and ask God for a spirit of discernment. You know, there's a difference in that because uh, that judgmentalism that comes, you're ready to take sides and you're ready to slam people. Right? If you've ever found yourself in that place, especially politically, doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, ready to slam other people for... The, wrong and opposing views as opposed to have a spirit of discernment. Pray. We see it all the time. It's going on constantly. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm, I'm asking you to not make judgments. I'm asking you to discern and stand in the gap to pray. And so when you see that stuff going on around, do you find your heart getting angry and self-righteous or do you find yourself coming to a place where we want to pray with humility, God, would you do something? Would you show up here? Would you change the atmosphere? Would you fix what's broken? Those are two totally different attitudes, and that's what Jesus is addressing in the scripture. I think, I think probably some of the greatest anger that people have towards God is because of how they were treated by people within the church. I think this attitude, this spirit of judgmentalism has wounded many, many people. I think Jesus used strong language like you hypocrites because he knew that the centrality of the gospel was going to be a people that loved unconditionally held discernment but loved unconditionally. And that spirit of people are wounded against God because of how the church is often operated. It, in fact, you might have been one of those people that got really hurt by the church. It's very easy to know God's truth and to hurt somebody because we see somebody not walking in that same truth, not believing that same truth. And so there's a call on each one of us to begin to take a step back and to ask ourselves the question, how are we responding to God? When we know right from wrong, we begin to understand, we see all throughout the scripture truth, righteousness versus lies. And how do we carry that in our hearts? 
with anger and judgment or with discernment and prayer. You know, there's that story, if you've grown up in the church, there's a story in John chapter 8 where Jesus describes a woman who was caught in sin, in adultery. She's drugged before the religious leaders and Jesus is there and they say to him, she's been caught in her sin. What do you say about her? And Jesus says, well, you're absolutely right. And he says, let me tell you, the the one of you, here's what he does. He goes to the plank. He goes to the log. The one of you who somehow has been able to remove the log from your own eye, you get to cast the first stone. One by one, they drop their stones and they leave. And you know what Jesus says to her? Woman, who stands here and judges you? And she says, there's no one. And you know what he says? I don't judge you either. Now, go and sin no more. This is the heart of the Son of God. Understand that. We're not coming to point fingers in anger against all those who are different. We come to discern with a heart of love to see God do his work of transformation. That's what he does. So the question is, how do we wade into this process of standing for truth? How do we get into this about saying what's right, being definitive about what's right and wrong without becoming hypocrites in the process? That's the question. How do we actually do that? So the first thing we see is that we seek to have righteous discernment about a person or an issue, but we do it with generosity. And if you hear it again, Matthew chapter 7, for with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So that if you want mercy in your life, give mercy. If that's what you want, if, if you want understanding as you walk through your own junk, then give understanding. That's what he's saying. That's the call on each one of us. Let's do this with generosity. If we see something that's wrong or broken, then can we enter into a conversation with a generous spirit, a generous heart? Secondly, we don't judge the lost. And I I can't make this any more clear. I don't think the church could make its name any worse in our culture than by judging those that don't know Jesus as if they have any capacity to step out of what's going on. I mean, can we be honest about that? You look at the broken world around you and it's easy, you just want to lob judgment on it and they don't even know the one who's able to shift and change their lives. So listen, it's okay to have discernment about right or wrong, but lobbing judgment against those that are outside of the kingdom is a little bit uh, not helpful. Uh, Jesus puts it, or uh, Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those on the outside, meaning this, don't hold an accusing finger at someone that's outside of God's family. That's God's business. What we want to do is express the radical love of God to that broken world. That's what we're meant to do. Doesn't mean we have to give up right or wrong. Doesn't mean we have to give up discernment. What it means is we love unconditionally because that's what Jesus did with us when we were a mess. And that's the call. 
This is what Jesus did. He came around and he talked with and he loved people. And he did that to some people with some crazy bad stuff in their life. That's what he did. And so the, the call is not to hold, by the way, our nation to a Christian standard. The call is to pray it in. If you have a problem with where our nation is at, then you've got to become the greatest intercessor you know. Don't point the finger at CNN. Start praying and asking God to move. We can't stand in judgment of a broken world outside of us. It's broken. It's going to be broken until it, they meet Jesus. We're meant to love them into a place of knowing and walking with Jesus. Finally, uh, who are you inviting to speak into your life? And this is the hard part. Uh, because we got to open ourselves up for that log that's going on right here. And my question is, do you have somebody who has a right to look at you and say, hey, I see something that you may not see. You're seeing specks. You ain't seeing the log. And you need, and I need, we need buddies that say, hey, let's talk through something that's going on. If Jesus is always getting down to the hard issues, we got to have friends around us that are getting to hard issues with us. That's the question. That's where the church becomes really, really, really important. You'll hear us talking all the time about small groups here at this church. I love being able to come here on Sundays, but this is in and out. It's quick. You're thinking about lunch and the roast and hoping that you don't overcook it. All that stuff, that's, that's what's going on all the time on Sunday. We need an opportunity to sit down with each other and talk through things. So if you don't have a small group, we want you to have a small group you ju jump into, an opportunity to have people around you that love you. So here's what I want you to do. You can put your stuff down. I want you to stand. If you would, just, just close your eyes. Kind of let everything just wash away, and we're going to be done in two minutes. God, we just we want to come before you here, and we want to be real with you. Lord, we know that you've called us to know truth from lies. In fact, you define what's right from wrong. We don't even get to make that decision. It's actually you. You're the one that calls the shots. You know what's right from wrong. And you call us to know what's right from wrong. But Lord, in our discernment, in our knowing truth from lies and right from wrong, God, would you help us to leave behind an attitude, a hypocritical place of judgmentalism. And even just right where you're at, if you've found yourself constantly with the pointing finger, maybe a, the, the, the verb is if you've found yourself constantly in the place of accusing, accusations, 
an opportunity for you just to make an exchange and say, God, I'm, I'm not carrying that attitude. I don't want to carry that anymore. That's not you. And to make that exchange with him. Now, here's something else. If you have felt judged, maybe you've been hurt, maybe by the church especially because you have felt judged as you were walking through a journey of knowing God. Maybe you were going through a pretty rough patch in life and you felt judged. If you have felt judged, this is an opportunity for you to be real before the Lord, say, God, I've, I've felt judged and I need to make an exchange here. And I lay down the wound here and I ask God, would you grant me forgiveness for those that have judged me unfairly or harshly? So whether you're in this place and you have been the, in the place of judgment or you have been one that's been judged, this is your two seconds to make that exchange and say, I'm not carrying this anymore. God, every one of us collectively say less of us, more of you. We must decrease so that you can increase. More of your heart, more of your ideas, more of your ways in us. More of your heart and spirit of righteous discernment, generosity, mercy, and love. We thank you for upholding God a righteous standard and we thank you for loving us through it and, and in that place, even in our brokenness. God, would you help us to do the same? God, would you bless and keep us? Would you make your face shine upon us? Would you turn your countenance towards us? We'd receive your grace. God, may we know your peace. Would you go with us this week, Lord, not with hearts of, would you keep us from hearts of angst and anger, and Lord, would you give to us a heart of love and mercy. May we spread that everywhere we go this week, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessings on you guys, love you. Our prayer partners are going to be up front. They'd love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.